Welcome to the Baskopedia Podcast. On this episode, we have Mark Wood of Liberty High School, where we discuss his program, his philosophies on the offensive and defensive side of the basketball, and how they have established toughness as their primary culture at his school. So stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is Coach Hart from System Basketball. Tonight, we have Coach Mark Wood of Liberty High School, and we're going to talk some system hoops and dive into what he's doing and the great things he's doing in the state of Arizona with his program at Liberty High School. Hey, Coach, how long have you been coaching high school basketball now? Well, I'm going into my 25th year of teaching, and I've only taken two years off of coaching in that time. Okay. So... Now, how many years have you been coaching at Liberty? Liberty High School opened in 2006, and I, uh, it opened with just freshmen. And I had the great opportunity of being the, the freshman coach. And the next year, it was sophomores and freshmen. I went up to JV with them, and then we opened with juniors playing varsity uh, three years into the school's inception and I was able to take it from there. So I literally was able to start it from ground up from 2006. Okay, so you've been coaching for a long time. You, you have to have had some mentors or people that have helped um, build your philosophy on the way you like to coach or teach the game. Could you tell, tell us a little bit about who those people might be? Well, one of the most transformational points in my career there, there were two um one actually there, there were three transformational points uh the guy i assisted is a his name's ken trout and he uh he's in the hall of fame here in arizona and um my time with with coach trout was was not very long i was his assistant for four years and a jv coach for one and then i took over the program at cactus but after four years, so if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of back up into that question for just a second. Uh, when I took over as head coach of Cactus, I was 26 years old. I just had my second, or uh, getting ready to have my second child within a year apart, and uh, life was moving pretty quick. I did not understand that coaching was leadership. I know that sounds foolish, but I thought coaching was X's and O's and what you know. And if you've got dudes and you can put them in the right spot, you're, you're going to win. And, uh, and I went into my first year and stubbornly, I didn't know much. And because I didn't know much, I was hedgehogging pressing. Uh, we ran a run and jump and I just, that's all we did. We, we didn't do our any offense. So in a bizarre way, I, I was a system coach from the beginning without knowing it. Uh, at the end of my first year, we won region and, and made a run at the state title. My second year, uh, and we got knocked out right at the end. Second year, um, we won region again. And I, I thought I was a good coach. And then my third year, um, everything just kind of unraveled. And then by the fourth year, uh, it really, we just, we battled to about 500. Um, and I just, I was done. But in that process, we had played a team uh, called, uh, their school Sunny Slope. And they are one of the top programs in the state of Arizona, year in and year out. They were run by a guy named Dan Mannix at the time and Dan Mannix is a hall of fame coach and he's brilliant. And I, and they just kicked our, they kicked our tail. And, um, and so at the end of my fourth year of, of, of being a cactus and, and I resigned and this was before like really email was kicking in. And, um, and so 
I get this handwritten uh, card after I resign from another Hall of Fame coach named Jerry Connor. Jerry Connor is the original system coach in Arizona and pretty much was the only one until I adopted it in 2015. More on that later, of course. But Jerry Connor sends me a handwritten note. Uh, and he really was complimentary. And I didn't understand at the time how to, that, that coaching was about building relationships. And that card forever changed my life. Um, and I, I went away and I, it was weird, Mark, when I, when I resigned from coaching at Cactus, I lost my identity. I didn't realize that I actually did not have an identity. My identity was wrapped up in sport. It was, uh, it was, I, I was um, good if we were winning and I was bad if we were losing. My mental health uh, was suffering. I didn't even know it because of it. Um, and so that note made me realize that this is about relationships and, and it's about community and it's about becoming our best. So Jerry Connor's note changed me. And then, um, when I was trying to find myself, to be honest with you, I was always uh, either playing and playing basketball or I was coaching it and, and the sport was my identity. And so I looked in my closet as any coach has ever resigned is done and went, shoot, what am I going to wear tomorrow? <laughs> and, uh, and I just started picking my life back up and I really focused on being a dad. And, um, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff I didn't miss. Uh, but I missed I wanted to do it again from scratch if I could. And I wanted to do it without roping my identity as only Coach Wood. And so at that time, um, I decided to go meet with Dan Mannix. And I called him up. And I said, can I speak with Coach Mannix, please? And the office said, hold on. And they, uh, forwarded me into the coach's office. Dan Mannix picks up the phone. I introduce myself. He has no idea who I am. And I said, can, can you mentor me? You've kicked my tail. Like, it hurts. I just want to know what you know. And he was like, absolutely. And so I went and I sat down with him with a pen and a piece of, with pen and a notebook and I, I picked up so many nuggets, Mark. I can't even, I can't even describe how I many nuggets I picked up and things that are still with me. Um, and then from there, uh, I just built a relationship with Dan. And then when I was named Liberty's coach, which is a mile and a half down the street from me, um, I made it a point that I was going to go out and, and serve the coaching community as well. And I started getting uh, these little, what we call coaching caucuses together. Yeah. And, um, and anyone who was uh, really successful, I made sure to bring into this. We met once a month and then, um, and then in 2011 was the ultimate mentor in my life. And that was, uh, I'm reading, I'm reading a, a, a newsletter from a coach that was put it out years ago, back before newsletters were really out. This guy was just putting one out. And the newsletter had a quote from Luke Walton about Phil Jackson. And it said, Phil Jackson is the smartest guy I've ever met. And he's always got a book in his hand. And I don't know why, um, not to get into it, but, but reading was painful for me. I, I graduated high school illiterate, basically. I mean, I could read words on a page slowly, uh, but I had no comprehension. I, and I actually went to college and became an English major, which is hard to comprehend, to be honest with you, and try to teach myself how to read along when did. But reading was hard for me. But when he said that, I just went, I'm going to start reading. And I went to Barnes & Noble. I picked up five books, picked up Krzyzewski's book. I picked up uh, Phil Jackson's books. I picked up, uh, you know, a couple other ones, a Malcolm Gladwell book. And I just started to read. Uh, and I gave myself 15 minutes a day. 
and it turned into a borderline addiction that at one point got to 75 books a year, um, which is insane. And I was, I was devouring them, to be honest with you. And that's really what has served as my mentor uh, more than anything, is I've just become an avid reader. So uh, I still, as you know, I, I, I serve on the board of the Coaches Association yep. here in Arizona. Um, I was going to ask you about that next. Yeah, go, go let ahead. Every, let everybody know. I mean, you started this, I believe, last year. I'm not sure if you were the full responsibility or if it was part of the whole Arizona uh, Team 7 camp where a bunch of California teams um, came out and you hosted them with the change of the recruiting rules. Can you tell a little bit about, about that with our listeners, about how, how that came about? Yeah, so about four or five years ago, um, a school down the road opened up. And uh, the, the school had been a little bit dysfunctional when it, when it opened up. And they were looking for a coach. And uh, a friend of mine sent and said, Sandra Day has named the new coach as Matt King. And, um, and she's like, he's your kind of people. You got to get to meet him. So I actually reached out to Matt King. And I said, hey, man, welcome to the area. Um, if you're looking for a church, this is where I go. If you're looking for this, this is, you know, this is it. And here's my number and call me. And he just responded like, I don't know who this crazy dude is, but thank you for, uh, for the email, Mark. Well, we're in the same region. And so I started building a relationship with him. And two years ago, Matt King called me. Uh, our our high school beat writer named Rich Ober um, tweeted out that we don't have a coach association in Arizona. And it's a shame. And Matt King called me and said, did I read this right? I said, yeah, Matt, we, we, we've kind of put it together, but no one's ever really run with it. And he said, okay, well, we're going to do it. And I said, well, not, who's this we? <laughs> I said, dude, I, I don't want to take on anything else. And he goes, we're going to go um, to get coffee. And, and he sat down and he said, I'm going to tell you, you're doing it. And he goes, you're, you're too safe. And um, you, you, you always think of what you can't do instead of what you can, and you're going to do it. And so um, during that time, I had a, a, a good friend that I hold in high esteem uh, named Todd Fazio, who was coaching uh, as well. And Todd Fazio just reached out and said, hey, I want to get involved in youth basketball. Do you know anyone I can call on? Well, Matt King was the man when it came to youth basketball. Uh, he was a brilliant in, get, in, in getting um, an LLC together and, and, and running it as a business that fed into his program. And so we all, the three of us sat together and, and Todd and Matt really clicked and Matt brought him in and then Matt Gordon who uh, was at Phoenix College, won a national title at Phoenix College. All of a sudden, it's the four of us, but Matt King is the, he's the, he's the head coach. And so he, is, he has stepped away from coaching uh, to run our basketball coach association. And Section 7 uh, is, his, is his brilliant uh, baby. Um, and we uh, – kind of do what he, he says. Todd Fazio and, and Matt Gordon have been unbelievably instrumental in that as well. And so that's what's got us going into that. And this thing's getting really good. And so our coach association is doing a lot of good things. Is um, that, I'm proud to be a part of it. Is the plans to have it this year if all goes well? Or is it on hold? Or where are, we, where are you guys at with it? Matt Keene uh, was able to get – um, where the Cardinals play a stadium and we were going to do all the courts in there and it was going to be awesome. And, and that way college coaches didn't have to move around. But for those of you listening and don't know what section seven is, the NCAA allowed a live period in June. So you could play with your high schools and be seen by colleges. Whereas before it was strictly for AAU in July and travel teams. So it was a major piece. And that came at the, uh, at, at the, as a, as, a, as a response to um, all the, the filth that was going on in college basketball about paying players and, 
a pipeline from AAU. And so the college said, well, we're going to open it up in June. Well, Matt King got with our association and, uh, and took off with it and created this. Um, and so this year we will have it. It's, we just don't know when, but we are hopeful it's going to be right around Labor Day weekend. That'd be awesome if we could see it. I'm hoping that things get better by then. Um, Coach, when did you learn first learn about system basketball? So in, in 2015, so we had opened Liberty in 2006 with just freshmen, as I said earlier. We had, um, I lost my culture in 2013. Yeah. Uh, completely lost it. We were a relationship culture, um, but I was still working on my leadership skills, to be honest with you. And so in 2013, I completely lost it. And I will own everything. Um, I allowed people to infiltrate our program. I did not lead the right way. I allowed people um, in that should not have been let in. And it's my fault. And I think when you're the leader, you have to say it's my fault a lot. Uh, you have to take responsibility. And so in 2013, um, it collapsed. In 2013-14, uh, we were going to rebuild it. And I went and I read everything I could about culture. Now, culture is more of a buzzword now, but if you go back to 2013-14, people weren't talking about culture. And so I was uh, I, I started reading a lot of business books and leadership books and started putting our program with core values and a mission and everything else. And so I had our five core values. And then I read a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And essentially every good program or every good organization that becomes great and elite has one thing that they hedgehog. They're not good at everything. They're good at one thing. And so uh, Gillette razor is going to be the best razor. They're not, they don't care if it's the most expensive. Um, meanwhile, like Southwest airlines, they're going to be the cheapest. They don't really care about your company. Yeah. So you have to hedgehog something that you're going to be the best in the world at. And my then assistant coach, Craig Marcus, I called him up and I said, here's the situation. What are we going to hedgehog? And he says, all you ever say and all you talk about is that we need to be tough. Toughness matters to you more than anything out there. I said, that's exactly right. And he says, do it around toughness. Be, let's be the toughest team in the state. And so uh, that started our journey. And then in 2014, 15, sorry, 2015, 16, the AIA came in and they did a formula and they said, hey, here's the deal. We're going to do a one-year trial deal because we're off on the off years of the rest of the country. So we're going to go for one year, and we're going to put all the top teams based on our formula in the same division, and you're going to go slug it out. And it coincided with the fact that that year was the most uh, recruited and heaviest recruited our state had been. I mean, we had dudes uh, that we were having to play against. They called it Division One, and, man – it, it was brutal. I mean, Corona del Sol was on like a 70 game winning streak. They'd won four straight titles. Marvin Bagley, Saban Lee, Barcelo. I mean, I, I went uh, to watch Craig Marcus and I went to watch the, the previous year, a practice at Corona when Marvin Bagley was a freshman and the university of Virginia was there. They were currently ranked number two in the country. And they weren't there to see Marvin. Marvin had already been offered by Kentucky as a freshman and Duke. They were there to see Barcelo. So you, have, you had the top schools in the country that weren't even there to see their best player. <laughs> um, and so we had to play at their place. And when we looked at it, I just, I was, I was honestly afraid. I didn't really know what to do. So I talked to a buddy of mine. And he said, when you coached a cactus and in your early years of Liberty, you were the best when you were pressing. That's what you know how to do. Get back to it. 
So I really thought about what are we going to do? How are we going to beat these teams? Am I really going to be pressing uh, Vanderbilt and a U of A point guard? I mean, they're, they're, they're one and two on Corona's team. Am I really going to press them? And, 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 and am I really going to do this? Well, in the summer, uh, in one possession, one of our players, through frustration, guarded his guy with all-out effort all the way up the court. And the whole bench got going, and it got my juices going. And he was gassed after that. And I just said, you know what? What if we play with all-out effort and keep everything going? So I just, on accident, uh, ran into um, an Amazon book called The System and read it. And we went full, like, we went full system that year. And uh, we'll never go back. So you, re you read the book. What other resources have you tapped into about the system that helped you get to where you are now? Well, I'll plug your, uh, your stuff, right? Um, I think that's been huge. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to circle back from the beginning of today and tell you that um, Jerry Connor, who was the pioneer of system basketball, I have gone to him a lot. And then inexplicably, uh, his high school released him. And he, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Coach Mike Bibby won three state titles, one of the best coaches we have. And he, uh, they released him. And so I called him, and now Jerry Connor's joining our staff. So a guy who I've taken a lot of influence from is now on our staff. I've watched Patino's stuff. I've watched, uh, uh, why is his name eluding me, Auburn's coach. I've watched him. Bruce Pearl. Um, yep. And, you know, I've got all the championship videos on pressing. I've got Havoc. Um, I've got Synergy where I'm watching. And, you know, GCU's women's coach that they just hired, Molly Miller, it, she's basically very similar to a system coach. So watching her stuff on Synergy, um, lots, lots of influence there. But if people are pressing, I'm watching it. Yeah, Coach Miller, I think, went like 68 and won the last couple of years at Drury. She was undefeated last year, and unfortunately, going into the tournament as the one seed, uh, didn't get to play it. Yeah. So we'll never know. Well, Coach Wood was on our um, system basketball clinics that we host, and he did a really good job on his Lion 1 2 1 1 uh, press. Uh, you talked about toughness, coach, and, and that's your identity, right? Is it, that, that's what you guys are known for at Liberty is, is being the best pressing team in the state? Yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to hang our hat on. What do, you do, what do you do on the offensive side of the ball? So the offensive side of the ball is, um, you, you know, what, what's funny, Mark, is I never consider myself an offensive guy. Um, yet we were – like fourth in scoring in Arizona last year. Um, and so I, we must do an okay job. Uh, but what we do, our system is either four out or five out, depending. Um, and so we will have, uh, if we're four out, um, we will run a numbered break on a made shot or a dead ball situation. If it's a missed shot or a turnover, we get to the rails, which is outside the pole holes, and we're sprinting. And we, if, if our five is, a, uh, is gonna be in the post spot, we send them just wide of the, in what we call the alley, just wide of the uh, volleyball line. So he's coming in at your traditional, like, Back in the day, they taught a three-on-two break to come right in with, at the intersect of the three-point line and the volleyball line. Well, that's where our big's coming in, and everyone else is spread and, and going. Um, and then if we're five out, uh, then our spacing becomes corner-corner motion line, which is um, free throw line, the first hash below the free throw line. That's our motion line. 
So our, we'll go slot, slot, corner, corner, and then in, in the uh, motion line if we're five out. So we actually don't occupy the top of the key in five out. For people that know about system, would you consider yourself system purist, hybrid it? How, how do you guys do it at Liberty? Hybrid. Okay. Yeah, we're a hybrid, um, definitely. So you're not going five in, five out, or it depends? Uh, it depends on, on the year. It depends on um, our personnel. Okay. And we have. And, uh, you know, last year we were at a nine-man rotation. Well, we, we played ten, but um, it wasn't a five in and five out uh, because we had a player leave. Um, but we were we were five in and five out before that. Okay. So what is if you had to define system basketball, how would you do it? I think, man, that is a really tough question, right? I asked it on, uh, this is the fifth one. I've asked it on everyone, and you know what? Everybody's kind of went, hmm. <laughs> I I define the only reason I say we're hybrid, Mark, is because the original system coach of Grinnell. Okay. There's a couple things that when I watched Grinnell that were different. And I don't know that this is a true statement, but this is what I perceive. It looks like Grinnell and, and, and teams that are pure system, um, they defensively, they are all in, but it's more about volume than it is about stops. We're, we're about defense first. And, um, and maybe that's what's caused our offense to score in the 70s instead of 80s and 90s as an average. But defensively is where we're minded. So that's why I think we're different than system. I think system is we're going to play all out chaos and we're going to shoot even a bad shot if it's quick enough, and then we're going to go retrieve it. But we want volume. And we would rather you score in four seconds than hold the ball for a minute. But you, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. No shot clock in Arizona, correct? That's the biggest problem. Okay. Um, did, you, did you feel you had to go and get – when you decided to go to this, did you have to go talk to the admin or anything um, to get the buy-in like the book says, or did you just, just do it? I just did it, but um, at first I did have to deal with, I did get questioned because we started off 0-6. Okay. Sorry, I got a dog barking. No problem. My wife just got home. We started off 0-6. Now, we were going to start off 0-6 no matter what with the schedule we faced. Okay. But I liked where we were, and I liked the process. Um, but I did, have, I did have admin call me and go, hey, drop the system. And I said, in all honesty, no. I believe in it. It's about process. And to be honest with you, Mark, this here's the problem and this is the, the the brilliance of the question here's the problem the problem is is that uh being conventional is safe mm -hmm. but it keeps you average for the most part yeah and anytime you do something unconventional even if it's right it is perceived that you don't know what you're doing and so when you start 0-6, it, it, your system of play is the scapegoat because it's easy. Um, and that's probably what kept me uh, not doing it sooner. But I just said, this is what I believe in, and let's just see. And I asked the players, and I still ask them every single year, what do you guys want to do? What system of play do you want? And they look at me like I got three heads and like, we're running this system. Now, what's funny is, is people just naturally call it the system, even without knowing that they call it the system. Um, 
And I'll tell you this, Mark, we, we've lost players. Um, we just had a, a, a parent that was in our youth program for two years um, or one year and loved everything about our program, but ended up going another school because just couldn't figure out why we would sub every minute. And no, I explained it at length and I've come to the point of just saying, if, if you're not bought in, you need to go somewhere else. Cause this is what we're doing. And I found, so this is where we're going to get into to probably the interest of, of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've got like a journal that I kept. Um, Real quick, coach, your, your buddy just joined. Coach Coletti just hopped on Facebook Maybe. Live with us. So I'm hey, shouting coach. out to Coach Coletti right now. So awesome. go ahead, Coach. Um, coach Coletti, by the way, is doing an outstanding job at his school. So what, what ended up happening was um, I, I kept a learning journal. And what I found was trust is always going to be compromised early because to get all five guys selling out is so hard. And one guy is going to kind of sit back and go, I'm not going to give you everything until I know that this is going to work. And you just have to be stubborn and you just have to push ahead and go, we're not changing. And then you got to rely on peer pressure and say, Hey, what does the rest team want to do? I need you to go all in and and try it and if it doesn't work then we'll we'll re we'll reassess it but it always works and once you have that tipping point there's nothing like it the team camaraderie the enthusiasm the excitement the joy uh it is just there's nothing better what do you think was the hardest part coach when you went to install do you think it was the offense side defense style or getting the mentality, what, where, where, do you, where, where do you think it was? Well, I think it's mentality because it's defensive first in our program. Okay. And so uh, I think it was a mentality early. Um, and then I think from that, uh, I, I, I think that the defense is something that becomes harder to learn because of so many concepts and reads within our press. And then offense is pretty easy. I mean, it's spacing and tempo. It's pace and space. And so I think within that, um, it's pretty, I think, in this, we were playing teams before we went to the system. We were playing teams. And I was a pattern offense guy. But we were playing teams where I had to have an offense for every defense they threw at us. They throw four defenses at us. Okay, when they do this, we're going to run this. When they, and then I finally was like, I need one offense um, where we can use the concepts and we need to drill the fundamental skill. And I talked about that the other day on our clinic. Uh, and I don't know why it took me so long to come up with this, but when you drill it down, whatever your system of play is, what are your concepts? What are the skills that you need to perform those concepts? And then what is the technique of those skills? And then you have to develop the techniques to, to develop the skill. And then you can develop the concepts. And so once we were able to develop and know what our skills were that we needed and the techniques of those skills, the offense just seemed to be uh, naturally flowing from there. Um, but mentality, and, and, and before I forget, uh, we ended up making the playoffs that first year with the system. We ended up coming back and having a great rest of the year. Um, we went to, for the first time in our school history, we went to a tournament championship, a tournament that we'd been knocked out in the first round the entire time. We got to the title game and lost. The following year, we went final four with a first region championship of the school and won the tournament. And so I think whenever uh, that happened, um, we didn't really have to sell it anymore. It, it had sold itself. Kids were having fun, uh, but we have we have we have a couple kids who wanted to come in because of the system, 
And we've had kids who didn't come in because of the system. And then here's, here's the other thing. One of the cons of the system is people start knocking it. And they start saying, oh, well, if you go over to Liberty, then you're only going to play half the game, which is not, not even true. But they've developed, they've primed people to have a prejudice toward what we're doing without really following the facts. So that's been a little bit of an uphill climb. But aside from that, I really don't, like that doesn't bother me because when we get guys who are all in, it's beautiful. Galetti's saying final four, baby. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he's he's he, was on the, he was on that bench. Yes. All right. So um, what's, the, what's the common misconceptions of system basketball, Coach? There's several. Number one, that everyone plays equal. Uh, that's a, a huge misconception. Number two is you can't get into the flow. Every player will tell you that they never leave the flow. They're always in flow. Uh, it comes in. What's funny is, um, is people think, well, it takes you a couple minutes to get warmed up. Well, we don't have a couple minutes for you to get warmed up. I don't care if we're playing possession basketball. That, that's just, um, that's asinine. Like, we only play eight-minute quarters. We don't have time for you to come in and get your feel. Uh, but if you're playing fast and you start to uh, develop at that speed, then you know, you know at point blank that we are comfortable in that speed. So it's, it's, it's people who say that we play the same, like your, your star player plays the same amount as your 13th guy. That's simply not true. Um, that you don't play defense, uh, which is simply – Terribly not true. Um, and, and that uh, it's not real basketball, whatever that, I don't even know what that even means. Yeah. Um, but those are the things that uh, people go into attack on it. But to those who play it, they, they, they love it. How many, how many teams would you say in Arizona employ it or, or hybrid it? Well, it was Horizon because that's where Jerry Connor was, but they got rid of him. Okay. So that and it's us, and then uh, Heritage Academy, who you had on. James Deacon. Uh, yeah. They adopted it uh, this year. Castile High School adopted it, but it was a one and done. Their coach um, retired at the end of their season. I uh, picked his brain a little bit. Uh, Coletti um, runs his own version of it. Uh, and really that's it. Um, and that's the other thing I like is that we have an identity. Um, I think, I think what system does is it checks all the John Wooden boxes. I mean, every John Wooden book I've read seems like he was a system coach at heart. Play, you know, play fast, play so fast that you're making mistakes. Um, the, the team that makes the most mistakes is probably going to win. You know, be courageous. He liked the up-tempo game. Um, and so I, I, I love that you're playing bold, you're playing free. And if you're playing freely, um, then the autonomy belongs to the players. Then they're always in flow. That's why I don't understand that, that criticism. So not very many of us. How do you do shifts or do you, how do you do your seven coach since you're not, you're not traditional Grinnell system five in five out for the most part. How, how have you decided to do your, do you plan out your subs? Do you just do it by feel? How, how do you do your subbing? So we have a, um, a, a chart that I put together that will say finishing team, pressing team, free throw team. Um, and it ranks like, basically top eight. So if you're the sixth guy in the top five in the free throw shooting team, one of those guys fouled out and then you would be up. And so we have that, but we just basically are scripted by quarter. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. And then the last two minutes, I, it depends on the team, but we like to kind of go traditional, maybe seven man rotation, six man rotation and finish the quarters really strong. And so um, 
last year, and, and this is the other thing, this kind of goes with the question you had about um, misconceptions about the system. I will play our best player as long as the best player can play with full effort. They, they determine how many minutes they, they want to play. And they're begging to come out in about a minute and 20 seconds. Begging. Like they're taking themselves out. So we will occasionally double shift. We had a really, really good guard uh, who was a junior last year named Miles Goliford. And Miles was someone we couldn't take off the floor. Um, we lacked a little bit of depth at that position last year. And Miles was doubling and tripling shifts. So we would go four out, four in. And then when Miles needed a break, we kind of give him a break as he needed it. Uh, let's talk roster size. What do you think? What do you think for high school is the roster size that you should the minimum minimum number of players you should have on your team? To if you want to run system, yes. I I I I almost think it's it's I I I almost think it's unanswerable okay. because. In Arizona, and I talked to you about this before, we have a six-quarter rule. Okay. Um, you guys don't. No. So what the rule for me would be different yeah. than I would if I was in California. So the rule for me is um, if we were not able to swing players, mm -hmm. uh, it's important that if you're on this team, you play. And so I think for me um, – a minimum of 10, but probably 12. Now, I know that the system guys are like 15, um, but I just haven't found without a shot clock in Arizona that we can, it's hard to get more than 10 in. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, but I think no, no sense in keeping someone on your team if you're not going to play them. Yeah. And, and I know that's, that's an unpopular take. Uh, but I, I, I myself, Mark, have said, you know, it's, it's, it's about being on the team. It's about – it's not. They want to play. And, um, and so you're going to play. You know, now we had a, a young man move in from New Mexico who didn't even had played very limited basketball, and he just goes, "Coach, I just want to be on the team. I don't really care about playing." He was a senior. He was an amazing teammate, and that's, literally, he played that role to perfection. He was our high guy. He loved it, but I think that that's reserved for someone like him that comes along once every five or six years. <laughs> That's a special kid. Nobody really wants to, to take the participation, participation certificate, just be a part of something bigger than themselves. And uh, I've said this, I've done four of these now and I agree with you where if you're a seven or eight traditional coach and you carry 12, now you got nine, 10, 11, 12 upset. If you're a system coach, and you put 16 on your team, but you only play 13, 14, 15, and 16 are going to be right. upset. So Correct. my eyes, my eyes, it is like you said, suit, suit up or put on your roster the number of kids that you plan on playing in the game. And then you don't really have that issue. Um, if it's, if, it's four, if you're carrying 16 and it's 14, 15, 16, then send those guys down to JV, have them practice with you, but let them play the minutes on a JV game or something like that. I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking at as I'm sifting through this, going to be going to it for the first year. Um, biggest challenges you have is what, four corners, space, and stall ball against you with the system? Yeah, and it's – I mean, it's such a problem that I dedicated our offseason to fixing it. Um, and, and, and honestly, Mark, like some of it's – some of it is how good are your athletes – and how good are theirs? You know, I mean, if, if, if you're super athletic and they go to stall on you and you can make up space in a hurry, 
it makes it a lot harder. If you if you guys aren't overly athletic, they don't make up space as quickly. So the the two one two stall becomes an issue, and with no shot clock, it becomes a really big issue. And what I'm frustrated about with that is this paradox that I'm trying to play all of my guys, yet you're not letting me. <laughs> you know that's where I'm frustrated. You know because. I've got kids that I promise we're going to play and you're just taking that opportunity away from them. Um, and that's what upsets me more than anything, to be, to be honest. I understand that that's the rules. Uh, I just think the rules need to be changed to make the game more aesthetically pleasing. I, I just don't get it. Um, I don't know if I had it as a freshman a shot clock, but I went. I was in high school in 1989 to 1993 here in California, and as long as I remember, I was in high school. We had a shot clock, so we've had it. I mean, that's almost 30 years ago now. So I mean, I just don't get it uh, until NFHS makes the decision to make it uh, all around. Um, I mean, obviously, we don't go by their rules. We go by our own sectional rule, and each state's different. But it's another, another, another topic, another day. It's one of those political questions that we can go all night with. So, um, um, what you talked about some challenges and misconceptions with parents and criticisms. What What are some of the ones in your players in your program um, don't like about it? Um. You know, we've had, we've only had one and it was, it, it, we had to part ways. Um, and, and really it's a trust factor. It's always a trust factor. Uh, the, 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 you don't get all of me in a relationship unless I can trust you. So we, which is why trust is a core value in our program. Um, the trust comes in two forms, behavior and ability. And so if you're not trustworthy in behavior or ability in one of those two, then all of a sudden your teammates don't give all of themselves to you. And system doesn't work if four guys are all in and one's not. It just doesn't work. And so uh, the coaching challenge is um, there comes a point where it's you, I'm giving you the option to choose. And if you don't, then you no longer have the option of choosing. The option is going to be taken away from you. And we're just going to choose for you. So, um, and that's what happened. And that was our, that was a really difficult year. And People were begging, go all in, go all in, and it just wouldn't do it um, because it's hard work. And so you would think like sometimes the more talented a team is, the more they'd like to run the system. But many times it's kind of opposite because like, why are we running this when we could just roll the ball and beat these dudes playing possession basketball? Um, so that's been a little bit of a challenge. Do you have traditional system goals or do you do it a little bit different? A little different, but very similar. I shared our toughness board with the clinic the other day. Um, we've adapted the, the, the numbers a little bit. We've like, for example, we want 32s and 33s shot again. That's only 60. And that's far from even the high school system goal of 75 but we don't have a shot clock mark so the reality is is the last I'll, I'll tell you when it affects us is the last 45 seconds of the first quarter last 45 seconds or minute of the second quarter last minute of the third quarter and then depending on the score and what's going on and fouls and everything else it could it could disrupt the fourth quarter by five minutes you know so um, I just found that I liked our tempo. We beat that goal almost every game. We got about 67 on average shots up. Half those were three. Um, 
but we just, it's really hard for us to get to 75 because on the defensive end, we're not okay with two on one. So uh, we don't, we, we don't want you gambling as much as most system teams would want you gambling. We want you risking and having the courage to risk, but not like some of those teams do. Okay. Um, so when you, when you do do the shifts in your groups, are you putting them in like two groups and then picking kids from each group? How, how are you organizing your shifts? Well, you gotta have a, you gotta have a point guard in both shifts. And our point guard, as I shared on our clinic, is our tip in the press. So the, those two positions are done. Like, and if only one of them exists and that kid's playing all game, he's just going to have to really be like, he's going to have to battle through it because we need two point guards. Um, you don't want to put your top five in one shift. Um, because, and what's funny is, is you just start to look, you go, we need a one. We need, you know, ideally you can put four to five shooters on the floor at all time, but you got to balance it out. Who, if there's a kid who's demanding and needing the ball more than everyone else, um, or if there's two kids who are equal in that, you have to separate them so they can get more shots each. So you, you definitely want to – every team is different. I, to be honest with you, the shifting has never been difficult for us. It is really not. It just seems to go right in there. And I think you got to ask the kids, who do you like to play with? I mean, every time we have an open gym, I let them pick their own teams. Well, I see who's playing with who. And you just see the chemistry that they have. I mean, it just, it's not rocket science. Pay attention and it seems to like work itself out without you having to. Let's dive into a little bit of practice and what a Liberty practice might be like. Uh, um, your identity is defense. Um, most system teams' identities probably are not defense. I would agree. Um, to be honest with you. Um, so, do you spend half your practice? Um, um, how much time do you spend on on your defense in your practice? So th it depends on on time of the year. So I'm going to give you an example for different times of the year, like three times. So uh, before our first game, um, we're going to do as game based approach as possible. So we are fortunate enough now to have a class as part of our school day where we can lift and get court time every day. So um, a lot of fundamental skill we're gonna do in our class. But let's just say we didn't have that class. Um, Preseason, meaning before our first game. So two, three weeks in there, you have your tryouts, everything like that. So a typical practice during that time is gonna be, um, a game-based approach. So we're going to do a lot of fundamental skill. We shoot the ball a lot, Mark, a lot. So our, our practice is almost every single day starts off with dynamic warm-up. Even though I'm, I, it just seems to go this way, um, the kids feel comfortable in this. We do dynamic warm-up. We do a drill called uh, Arizona, which is just a fast break drill three on up. And it incorporates just the ball didn't hit the floor. There's finish. It just gets it moving, gets the energy up. Uh, we, we allow them to create a playlist with clean music of their choice and they can play it. And, um, and there's no instruction going on. They're loosening up and they're getting their tempo. From there, we go into a drill I discussed at length on our clinic, which is, um, looking at different defensive scenarios and, mm -hmm. and responding to them. From there, we will go into scripted movements in the half court uh, that we will see on our next opponent or an opponent, different things. And we will script those out and we will ask them what their reads are. And then we will play games. 
uh, and we will use the game to teach the game. So um, whatever your concepts are, like we talked about earlier, you should know your concepts. Take one of those concepts, create it, and then turn it loose and play live. Um, you know, we're going to work on the last two minutes of the game scenario. We're going to work on um, rebounding. But everything turns into the game. So if you're doing rebounding, for example, uh, you would take a shot as, our, as they're rotating, just like they would in a game, and then we are live. Um, and, and, and we go in from there and we're playing to a set score. And then we, we collect every win, the managers do. And we have an ongoing total every day with a ranking. And that's what we're gonna base our playing time on. During the season, our practices are an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. Tons of shooting, 40 minutes of shooting, finishing drills, um, a little bit of just like defensive rotations and then live scrimmage uh, for a little bit and work on some things um, that the opponent's gonna do. So it becomes a little bit more care to the scout. But we usually play Tuesday, Friday after, after December on January on is usually Tuesday, Friday. Uh, Monday, we're prepping for Tuesday's game and we are doing a lot of skill work. Wednesday is skill work only, light work. Uh, practice about 45 minutes to, a, to an hour and that includes a dynamic warm up, and it's, it's loose. Music's playing the whole time. Thursday, um, we're gonna make sure we're, and, and by the way, Wednesday, we just make sure we're sharp. Thursday, we make sure we're sharp, and then we get up and down a little bit and, and within the scout. So what I really like about the system is that your practices don't have to be crushing. They're light, they're focused on shooting and skill um, and tempo. Uh, what things have you adapted or changed, you think, in the last five years since, since employing it? Well, and again, I, I mentioned this on, on the clinic. Um, if you run the same thing, coaches are going to get savvy and give you something else. They're going to they're gonna present you with a problem that you're going to need a solution for. And so I've been able to find solutions. The, the thing I love about the press is there's only so many ways that you can really beat it. I mean, <laughs> like we're going to be able to easily adapt to what you're doing. We've seen it. There's, there's very few things where I go into the year now and go, Whoa, that was something I didn't expect. So we've been able to just add to our concepts based on problems that have been presented. Um, we, Offensively, our structure, if we're four out, we go to the deepest part of the corners as you can go. And then uh, if we're four out, we put the, the five in the dunker position in the um, weak side short corner as far to the baseline as he can go. Uh, the, the, the floor gets incredibly spaced. And then we're slot, slot. And um, so, you know, we, we have – entries into if his defense is set um, to get him moving but mostly uh, we we are just gonna focus 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 on um, as far as the the X's and O's are concerned on just the fundamental skills of the game the biggest change we've made in our program was following 2013 and I heard myself saying mark over and over and over again. We lost because we didn't have leadership. That's your fault as a coach. Um, we are a growth mindset program and I believe that, I do not believe that you either have it or you don't. I'll never believe that. I believe leadership is a skill you can develop to each personality type. And so we, we do curriculum all year 
uh, about developing leadership. Jeff Jansen has a six book series. Um, you can start in book one and take you 12 or 14 weeks of the year to get through book one. When the season comes, uh, every single Friday is a program we meet in my room. And for 30 minutes, we are teaching the core value and the standards with our core value and how it makes you a tougher person on and off the court. And, and we just absolutely, in my opinion, it has been the transformation of our program is teaching leadership to every kid. We run a youth program down to sixth grade. They're all in our leadership program too. We are doing leadership. Some might call it character development, but we are teaching them to be leaders. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, man, um, our district came out with our criteria and restrictions um, to be released. So, so a lot of schools in our district and, and programs started practice today, but the practice was like 10 people at a time. No one can be within six feet of each other. Temperature check when you walk in, you cannot share the same ball. So what are you doing? You're doing skill work for 45 minutes. And how, for, for 10 kids at a time, we have 60 kids who want the gym. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to sit in here for six hours. And then the, the other question is, does it move the needle? Are we going to win one more game in November, December, January, February, because we're doing that? So we, when, when this COVID hit, and I didn't even know about Zoom, right, mm -hmm. until then, um, and I applaud you for, for, for what you did with it, but we started doing our leadership on Zoom. Yeah. And it kept our guys connected. So last Monday, we get together on Zoom, and I said, fellas, I, it's stupid to roll out the basketball on Monday, and where do I break it up? Who's the 10? You know, who do we designate in, in the different tens? How do we get a hold of people? I said, and this one kid says, I have access to our church. Um, I said, well, coaches cannot be there. He said, you don't need to be there. We'll run our own. There you go. And so to be honest with you, that's what the leadership class has done. And I tell our guys every time we meet, there's a few things that we do in our leadership. First thing we do is the first, how many ever minutes it takes is spotlight. And our whole program is in there together. You have to remember. So we didn't just say only varsity freshmen are in there. And they, what they do is they stand up and they go, Mark, I'm going to spotlight you. And it's eye to eye contact. And that person tells something they've observed in you that aligns to our core values that shows that you're, you're tough. And then we clap for them. And um, I think that that has made all the difference in the culture of our program. So someone, someone's new to the system or a new coach coming out and they want to learn more. What advice would you give to a, to a person that's exploring running the system? Well, number one, whatever system of play you choose, it has to be the system you're willing to lose with. And, and whatever that default is, for me, and, and, and Mark, you, you're in the same boat, I guarantee. For me, whatever the game plan was, I remember we were playing a school eight years ago, and it was just like nothing was going right. And I just go, you know what? Start pressing these dudes and running. That's my default, right? When, when my back was against the wall, I wanted to press and run. When your back's against the wall, what do you want to do? Because that default that you have is what you're willing to lose with. That's what I'm willing to lose with. So if you're going to run the system, are you, are you okay with losing your job? Losing a game? How much do you believe in it? I don't care what system you play. You have to say yes to those answers. When my, when, when an administrator called me and said, you got to stop the system. My answer was no, I did not worry about my job. I was annoyed. I didn't worry about the job. 
I, you can take my job if you need to, but I am going to, this is, this is how we're going to go out. And, and no one likes to lose, but I like to lose a lot. I, I, I hate to lose a lot more when we're doing anything, but other than running what we do. And so that's how I know it's true to me. And so if you're, if you're looking at doing a system or not, the advice is very simple. Are you willing to let go? Period. Are you willing to lose with your players in control? Because most coaches don't want to see their livelihood stripped from them because they gave too much control to players and the players couldn't handle it. But that's what the, the risk is, which is why I think it's important to teach leadership. It's important to allow that autonomy and it's important to develop their skills so that they're competent. So that when they go into the game, they, they're confident with one another. And you better start working on trust. Um, but I, I probably looking back and I didn't receive any advice beforehand I would probably go to my administration and say, this is what we're doing. And because it's, 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 it's a nonconformist way of playing. uh, It's going to be an easy one to attack. Finally, finally, uh, you better be okay with giving up a hundred (laughs) points. Cause that first time that you see the visitor score go to a hundred, it does not feel very pleasant. First team to 100 wins, huh? There you go. We got Ralph Lawler out here, so uh, the Clippers and the Clipper guy. So if you're if you watch any Clipper games where they shoot the three and he goes bingo, that's Ralph. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to. Uh, if you're interested in Coach Wood and learning more about the one two one one Lion Press that he's that he's built toughness in at Liberty High School. It's available at systembasketball.com. Coach attends a lot of the clinics. He's been a speaker and I'm glad to know and glad to get to know him during this quarantine time. We've built up a little bit of a relationship with with him and lots of coaches actually across the country. So coach, just wanted to thank you for coming on System Basketball Zoomcast tonight with me. First time going live. We went live for a little bit. Just ended a little bit ago. I want to thank several coaches who popped in. So it was kind of unique going on Facebook and seeing how that is. We'll probably do some future ones with YouTube live. Um, This week we got Coach Haig Tuesday night from Siena. He used to be assistant coach at St. Francis. He's going doing his three dribble transition offense on Tuesday night. Thursday night, we have Coach Kurt Gelsdorf of Clackamas um, doing special situations. Then Saturday afternoon, we're doing a little earlier, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 1 central. We got Coach Huey of the Houston Cougars doing dribble drive motion offense. So hope to see you guys. Again, Coach, thanks. And I hope to see you this week on some of our Zoom clinics. And you have a great night. Take care, stay safe in Arizona, and good luck to your Liberty Lion basketball program next season. Mark, thank you. Uh, Thanks for everything you're doing, man.